shadows of this life has grown Like a bird from prison bars has flown
Look at uh, 
just looking at the last part of uh, Luke uh, 10, 29, and, uh, and it says that, uh, and who is my neighbor? You know, right now going through, uh, we as a nation are going through a tough time. And as people, we are having, you know, situations that we've, we haven't dealt with. Uh, you know, during this presidential election, and even to now, you know, if you've been reading the, the news that, or newspapers that, there are cruel things that are being said and, and, and done, and, and, I, and I'm having a hard time with that to figure out why. So um, during this tough time, it would be a great question to ask, who is my neighbor? Uh, I was reading uh, uh, through my little uh, daily bread, and, and uh, it was talking about an Englishman. He was on a yacht, and uh, he... Uh, he, has, he was in the Caribbean, and he was out about 4,000 miles from home. Uh, well, while he was out there, he got, uh, uh, he started to drift out. Uh, he was out for about two days, and he sent the SOS sign, uh, signal trying to get help. So uh, they said, uh, you know, according to his, his signal, about 90 minutes later, this 116,000 ton uh uh, Superliner had had, had uh, found him. So, I'm trying to imagine on that yacht trying to get up into that to that uh, super tanker. So when he reaches up to uh, get help from the uh, the captain above, and when he reached up, the guy that he was looking at was his next door neighbor. So, you know, you know when he got when they when they were talking to him and reporting, he was going. You know, out of out of all, out of all everybody in the world that could have come and got me, it was my neighbor. So, Jesus saw you know, and the neighbors is unlike a place. When an expert in in, in, Jew, in Jew, Jewish law asked him to define the neighbor, we are to love. Jesus drew a circle. He took the story of a mer- a merciful uh, Samaritan to show that. A neighbor is a friend, a stranger, an enemy who needs help we can give. To distinguish ourselves as Jesus' people, we need to show kindness even to those who wish us harm. Only then will we reflect the heart of one who, while we were still his enemies, paid ultimate price to come to our rescue. This has a little saying that, how many lives shall I touch today? How many neighbors will I pass will pass my way? How can I bless so many and help so much? If I met each one with a Christ-like touch, our love for Christ is only as real as our love for our neighbor. So ask a good question. Who is your neighbor? Bow with me. Dear and Father, we ask and pray, Lord God, that that you show us who our neighbors are, and Lord God, that we become a loving nation as, as we say we are. Dear and Father, that we, uh, we try to love each other and try to understand the things that we're going through. Dear and Father, we ask and pray, Lord God, that you just continue to, to, to let us grow here at River Oaks, Lord God, to, to help people the way that you want us to, and Lord God, to be a good neighbor. And we just want to thank you for your, your darling son, Jesus. Amen.
Come to our time of uh, of offering, and 
I think of Auckland, I think about, uh, you know, you still think about our nation, uh, what kind of uh, rough time we're having. And for a while there, you know, we've been uh, having such a uh, worry-free, you know, life because we have basically everything that we need. I didn't say what we want, but what we need. And we look at other countries, they, they don't have that. So is it through questions I want you to, to uh, as you give today, to, to, to think about. He said, if God is a loving God, why does he ask us to deny ourselves? Number two, is it wrong to be greedy for the spiritual joy or happiness? Why or why not? And the last one, it says, what do you need to, what do you need to deny to give up so that you can move fully follow Christ. So just think about those questions. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to this time, Lord God, where, where we can give, and Lord God, and, 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 and share into someone else's life. So, Lord God, as a church, we've been good about, you know, helping people out, and, and that's what you're about, is just to, for us to help other people. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask and pray, Lord God, that you just bless this offering, Lord God, and, and, and let us use it the way that you would have us to use it. God, we just want to ask, ask and pray, Lord God, you just bless revokes, Lord God, that we do bigger and better things in, in 2009, Lord Father, that we can, we can do your will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, last week uh, was Valentine's Day, and how many, if you don't want to hold up your hand, how many of you did not get anything from Valentine's Day? How many was disappointed by Valentine's Day? Well, I, I tell you what, I hope Eddie doesn't get mad at me, but a long time ago, I learned not to take Valentine's Day too seriously <laughs> because I never got anything for Valentine's Day. And his excuse was, was he either didn't have any money or at the time we only had one car or he didn't have a way to get to the store. So, one Valentine's Day, it was like, I want to say on a Thursday, so the three days leading up to Valentine's Day, I made sure he drove to work, with the, he had the car, we worked right there, he dropped me off at work, and I gave him $20, thinking, surely he can go to the store and buy a card, pick out a card for me. And I worked at Blue Cross and Blue Shield in an office and there was about 60 women in our office and that year every woman except for one got something for Valentine's Day including the poor woman who got two dozen roses saying I want a divorce <laughs> so needless to say the next day Eddie got flowers at work but, you know, Valentine's Day is just a day. He shows me love in so many other ways every single day of the year. So I got to thinking, you know, Valentine, not getting a card or anything on Valentine's Day is not that big of a deal. He, he shows me his love every single day. But you know what? More important than the love I get from my husband every day, I get a valentine every time I open my Bible. God's word is his valentine to us 
and uh, also uh, Misty with her E. coli, keep her in, in prayer. And uh, um, Harold Foster, if you'd write Harold down, uh, Harold Foster is a longtime uh, supporter of Jinx uh, Sports. Harold and his wife Pauline, uh, they've discovered that Harold has uh, cancer, uh, inoperable cancer, it appears, in his liver, uh, possibly in his bone marrow. Uh, he's 80, is he red? 81. So uh, <coughs> probably the uh, treatment would be worse than the disease itself. So be praying for the foster family. Uh, good, strong Christian people, but uh, uh, Harold has a real special place in my heart, he and Paula, and uh, for many of you that have played sports here in, in Jinx, especially football, uh, there's been uh, playoff games when it's blustery cold out there, and she's the only one waving the cowbell as, as the buses would drive off. So. Uh, it's amazing, and uh, they miss—they don't miss very many games. So, be praying for that family. Are there any others we need to mention this morning that are on our list? Yes, Morgan. All right, all right. I should have went with him. <laughs> Yeah, I'd come back half the man I am now. <laughs> well, let's pray for Sean. That'd be awesome for him. Okay. Yes, Leah. All right, where's Aaron Hearn? He can give him the blow by blow. All right. And Leah, you have an announcement, another announcement, don't you? Her baby just turned 21. <clears throat> Today? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Audrey. Happy birthday. Wow. Awesome. 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 Well, she said, well, you didn't embarrass my mother on her birthday. I said, well, you said your mother just gave me money, so I had to do it. So. But she's now a full-fledged adult woman, so that's awesome. Congratulations. Anybody else? Yes. His name? Paul John. Paul, and last name is John? Okay. Paul John, heart stress test. Let's pray for him. Anybody else? Yes, Kathy. And uh, Tori mentioned this morning about uh, the gentleman, Billy, that we've been praying about that had that disease. They couldn't figure out what it was. They discovered that his body is allergic to uh, uh, glycerin or glucosin in food. And so it looks like they've got it pinpointed and uh, going to be able to get some healing from, for that. 
Amen. 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 So that's good. Pat? Okay. And her name? Adams? Sarah Adams. Let's be praying for Sarah as she's in Africa for two years. Wow. Praise the Lord. God protect her. Yes, Jeff. Australia, Jesse and Cynthia Frame, F R A M E. And uh, Jeff and Misty will know today. They'll vote today on calling him or not to be the youth pastor in Inola, the Inola Christian Church. So we're hoping for a favorable call today. All right. Well, she has those, doesn't she? She gets those. All right. Be praying for our, uh, Coach Caleb. Uh, the basketball playoffs start this week. She told me uh, Thursday, 6:30, Broken Arrow. Do you know who you play yet? Sand Springs. Okay. Ah, piece of cake. <laughs> None of them are piece of cake at this time. So if you if you got some free time Thursday night, 6:30, uh, boy, it'd be a great place to go and encourage our coach while they play. Also Thursday night, we're going to try to we're going to try to paint. Six o'clock Thursday night, we need to begin to paint our foyer and uh, got some hallway painting that needs to be done. Also, the closet uh, in the uh, new pantry area needs to be painted. So if you've got some free time Thursday night uh, and don't get to coach's game, come on up and paint with us. Six o'clock, and it'll be a, a great time of fellowship. And the more hands we have, the quicker it goes. So I want you to come be a part of that. Our, our coffee bar uh, serving area is about done. And... Uh, Got some wonderful volunteers that help us with that, and so I want to thank them for that. It's been great. Any other prayer needs to mention this morning? Anybody? <clears throat> All right. If you take the hand of the one closest to you, and uh, let's agree in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the forgiveness of sin that we find in your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask you today to move <clears throat> and touch and be a part of the lives of these that are on our list and those that have been mentioned. And Father, would you uh, especially be with these young people that have, uh, are moving to the mission field, and would you give them safety and put a hedge of protection around them so Satan cannot get to them, and Father, that they will impact the cultures in which they are going, and Father, that you will uh, bring victory through their lives. Uh, Father, I pray for Sean. I, I, I know the struggle it is to lose weight and so, Father, if this is an opportunity for him uh, to do that, would you so open that door and continue to allow him to move in that direction? For Harold Foster, I pray for he and Pauline as they uh, battle with uh, cancer. And, Lord, would you uh, be ever so close to them? Uh, for Leah and for Stephen and his upcoming surgery. And uh, for Karen Smith, uh, for Peggy's uh, friend Paul. Uh, Father, would you just uh, answer those prayers? And for Lynn, would you would you touch her, Father, today? Those migraines are uh, debilitating. 
And I pray that you will be ever close to her this morning. Father, that she'll feel your presence and she'll know you're there. And Lord, we love you and we ask you also to move among us today. With a fresh wind of your spirit blow through this place. And this morning we would sense it, we would see it, we would feel it. And Father, we'd respond to it. And Lord, we love you. Praise you. In Jesus' name and all God's people say it. Amen and amen and amen. Did the worship team do a great job today? I tell you. Whew. Well, if they just get any better, I don't know how we're going to be able to control ourselves. <laughs> They're doing a marvelous job. If you have your Bibles, hold those up. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. And here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. All right, give a high five. Pound your neighbor. Oh, in Jesus' name, amen. Finish the prayer. Come on. Now, give a high five or pound your neighbor. Or as Russell taught us a month ago, spit on your neighbor. No, I'm just teasing. <clears throat> Don't do it. Don't do it. Russell, can you move that cross like right here? All right. What's that, what's that light right there? <clears throat> think he can get it just direct him around he did good he did good awesome that's perfect right there perfect <clears throat> you'll see why i had him do that in just a little bit we talked all month about getting right getting right with god getting right with prayers getting right with sin today i want to talk about getting right with relationships you ever been hurt by somebody you ever wanted to hurt them back? You ever want to get even? You ever seek revenge? You ever retaliate? I love having kids in the service because they think I want them to, ask, to answer. That's awesome. When I ask you questions, you're going, uh, 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 okay. Ever had murderous thoughts? Good, good. I was hoping they wouldn't say, yes, okay. In the Old Testament, there's a story about a man named Esau. Esau had all those feelings that I just mentioned to you. Many, as you read about his story and know his story, would justify his feelings and believe that it was okay for him to feel this way. The story is of Jacob and his brother, uh, I mean Esau and his brother Jacob, and when you read that story, it reads like a juicy novel. The brothers were born to Isaac, the son of Abraham. And Isaac, nearing death, desires to give Esau, a, uh, uh, the older of the two brothers, his blessing. Now, in the Old Testament day, that was huge. For the older son to get a blessing from the father, that was huge. It, it just imparted lots of things to that older brother. And so it was really an important deal. I mean, it was like... It was like gold in the bank by the, by the dad giving the blessing to that older brother. And so Esau uh, decides that uh, he's hungry. He's one of these outdoorsy kind of a guys. Jacob, his brother, is more of a indoorsy kind of a guy. <clears throat> kind of like a mama's boy. Jacob liked to cook in the kitchen. Esau was rugged. He had hairy arms and... He had, probably had hair coming out of the back of his shirt. You know, one of those kind of guys. He could shave, and two minutes later you'd go, are you going to shave today? That kind of a guy. 
just really ruddy, ruddy looking, the Bible says. He was that, he was that hunter, that outdoorsman, you know. You'd always see him with a Smith and Wesson and, and his pick em up truck and, and his dog named Blue. That, that was him. That was Esau. But as the story unfolds, Jacob's mother, Rebecca, gets involved. Moms, sometimes with good intentions, can create real issues. Parents, we do that sometimes. Cindy got the maddest at me she's ever been. The maddest she ever got at me was when I had the older two boys who just were fighting and fighting and fighting. I said, all right, let's go to the backyard. And I put them in the backyard, and I shut the door. And as I was shutting the door, I said, finish it out here. And she's in there just beating me to death about, don't let them be, they're going to hurt each other. They're both living today. They're both praising God today. Jeff learned a great lesson. Corey got bigger than him. Corey learned a great lesson because he was so much, at that time, littler than Jeff, and Jeff could throw him all over the yard. And I'm probably stirring up something, they're both going after each other like this. So, But there's times when we need to stay out of the way. As kids have a tendency to kind of work things out, if we just let them. That's the way adults do, don't they? If you just let them, they'll kind of work it out. Don't get other people involved in it. But here's what happens. Re- Rebecca gets involved, and she wants Jacob, who she really kind of favors, to trick and deceive the father, Israel. Well, Esau, he gets duped. And he realizes he's been deceived. And he's really in a, he's crushed. His rage begins to boil inside of him. And, and I think his mind probably ran from, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get back, I'm going to even the score. In fact, I'm going to kill you. Because it wasn't anything for people in that day and age to kill each other. And when he learned of Esau's, Jacob, when he learned of Esau's murderous thoughts and rampage, he ran to his mom and she told him to hightail it out of town. So Jacob leaves town, runs away to Haran. Like the chicken that he was, he ran away. Scholars believe that it was 20 years Jacob marries and marries, and marries again. He became the victim of deception. Got a little taste of his own medicine. Had children. Twelve boys and one girl. Accumulates wealth, but encounters God on several occasions. And one of those is in, in Genesis chapter 32. I'm gonna, I want you to go there, but I want you to also get ready to go to 33, because in 33 is where we're going to focus this morning. But in 32, verses 1 and 2, he encounters God at Menahem, and Jacob realizes his part in this broken relationship with his brother, and it says in these verses that he wanted to find favor in Esau's eyes. And that's a Bible way of saying, I want to mend that relationship. The break had gone on too far. It was time to make it right, to ease the tension, to bury the hatchet, to forgive and forget. There comes a time when you've got to do that in your life with people. 
And the longer we wait, the worse it gets. Cindy was telling me of a story of a, uh, of a co-worker that she was talking to who had a brother. And for the brother was 27 when, I think, when this happened. We were trying to calculate it. But it's for like 26 years. 26 years, this brother and this father never talked to each other. They had an incident when the, when the young man was 27. And for the next 26 years, they never said hello, said goodbye. They didn't even know where the guy was. Come to find out for the last 10, 15 years, he's been living right here in Tulsa. <laughs> and the boy didn't even know that his dad had died. Sister, whose co-worker with Cindy, calls. And the boy says, absolutely, I want to have dinner with you. Absolutely, I want to get reconnected. Isn't that awesome? But how tragic now he can't reconnect with dad. Sometimes those relationships need to be reconnected, and we goof around, and they get away from us. So Jacob sends a message to Esau, and he informs him, informs him that he wanted to get back together. And so Esau, in return, he doesn't send a, a, a message or a reply to that message. He then des- decides just to deliver that message himself, along with 450, 450 of his best army. And so he's uh, not going to take one person with him. He's taking 450. Jacob learns that Esau is coming. And he becomes very fearful. He assumes, and that's what you know what happens when you assume. He assumes that Esau is intending to follow through on the promise he made 20 years ago. And he's going to kill me. I'm done. I'm history. I'm toast. I mean, after all. He did deceive Jacob. He did. He did make it to where Jacob got the blessing and he lost it. So Jacob prays. He knows that he and his men are no match for Esau's troops. He asks for God's protection. He reminds God of his promise to him that God would bless him and and would make his descendants a great nation. By the way, those 12 sons that were born to Jacob became the tribes of Israel. So God did bless him, did he not? God did hold his promise to him. But that night before the scheduled meeting, Esau the next morning with him, Jacob spends that night alone. And as we talked about in Sunday school and as we see... In chapter 32, Jacob wrestles with God's angel. It says he's not going to turn him loose. And the angel had to dislocate his hip, try to get away. And and Jacob would not turn loose of that angel because he wanted a blessing from that angel. You see, Jacob had learned a tremendous lesson, and that's the power of blessing. Dads that are in this room this morning, If you have not uh, shared a blessing on your children, do it. Dads, you will release in your children a powerful spiritual truth if you will pull them aside and share a blessing on them. Share that blessing, Dad. If you haven't done it, do it. I'm not talking to the moms. I'm talking to the dads because in God's plan, dads, you have the hammer. You are the hammer in God's plan. Now, you can do one or two things with a hammer. You can crush or you can build. And wouldn't it be great to build, dads, blessings into your children? So I would encourage you that way. 
And so the next morning, Jacob awakes. Esau with his 450 men are coming toward him. And can you imagine what's going through Jacob's mind as he sees Esau, his brother, that he thinks still hates him, to, you know, hates his guts? Can you see him starting to come? Can you see the 450 guys behind him? You know, boom, boom, boom. I mean, these are soldiers, right? Hey, he's a soldier. It's like Bixby coming to play jinx in football. It ain't fun. It ain't fun. I'm telling you, it's ugly. It's like Jinx showing up to play somebody. Oh, it's ugly. It's like Jinx High School going to play OU. Oh, Jinx, Jinx would die, wouldn't they? That's right. It's like Jinx going to play OSU. Oh, we're getting to stir up this morning. Stirring it up here. Let's go back to the Word of God here. Here we go. Look in chapter 33 at verse 4. Oh, listen. You can see the emotion running on both sides of the fence. Look what it says. But Esau ran to meet him, hugged him, threw his arms around him, kissed him. And what does your Bible say happened? And they wept. And they wept. So he saw his brother coming with 450 soldiers. And rather than cower in fear it says he ran to him hugged him embraced him and he felt the embrace back didn't he see it's one thing to hug somebody it's another thing to hug somebody and feel them hug you back but he hugged him back and then it says they cried why'd they cry what were they crying about what was lost was gone And they were crying about it. But here's a principle, folks. What the locusts have eaten away, God can restore instantly. So when you have a rift with a brother or a sister in Christ, and you renew that friendship and that relationship, pow, you're back in fellowship with each other. It won't be the same as it was. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. And that's the beauty of it. Because when these things happen, it'll either make you bitter or it'll make you better. You decide. And the tears of revenge, oh, they're bitter. The tears of reconciliation, they're sweet. The tears of these two men were changed. Jacob, once the deceiver, now the reconciler. Esau, once the grudge holder, now the forgiver. Only God, only God can do that. Biblical reconciliation is not the process of two alienated parties coming to peace with each other because, well, I should say it is. It's not, I said it's not. It is the process of God bringing them, God bringing the reconciliation through Jesus Christ. It's the same thought process that caused Him to send Jesus here to love us who put Him there. You see, the only difference, if we were the only person living at the time Jesus died, if nobody else was on the earth but us, the only problem, the only difference between Jesus on the cross then and now with all the people here is that we would have had to nail him there. We would have actually had to nail him to the cross. And in in essence, our sins did that, did they not? Nailed him to the cross. I want to give you eight quick reasons and ways that reconciliation can happen and some steps that Jacob and Esau took to make it happen. So here we go. 
batten down the hatches and here we go we're going to be in chapter 32 to start with in verses 1 and 2 because reconciliation with others begins with God look in 32 verse 1 Jacob went on on his way and God's angels met him so the wrestling with God's angels begins God and us wrestle now, this was a literal wrestling match between an angel of God and Jacob. But I believe that God wrestles with us every time we encounter somebody that we need to reconcile with. Guess what? The Holy Spirit pricks our heart. He does, doesn't he? He'll prick it. Now, the problem is, is we don't want to listen to that. We, want it, we, want it, we don't want to listen to the pricking. We don't want him to say, ah, ah. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Like God doesn't know. God knows, but we don't think he knows. Because by golly, my pride is so strong that there ain't nobody. I'm telling you what, I ain't buckling down to nobody. More to you, right? Isn't that us? That's us. And it's the same spirit. Because if we can't work with each other, it's the same spirit that we have when we come to this. When he says, "Be obedient to me. If you love me, you will do what I say." And what do we say to him? Some of it I will. I surrender something. I think the song is all, isn't it? Yeah. But not us. I surrender some things. I don't give him everything, just some things. I ate breakfast with some brothers every Sunday morning. They watched me like a hawk. One Sunday I ordered an omelet with sliced tomatoes instead of potatoes. And you'd have thought I would put slap down a hog on my plate. They sit back, what, sir? Because I always have oatmeal and dry wheat toast. But that day I had an omelet and I loved everybody. And there's probably more junk in oatmeal than there was in the omelet. But you know what? Because we think we're not doing the things we're supposed to do. But reconciliation with others begins with God. I believe that God works in our lives in, in such a way that when we seek to enter His presence, He reveals to us those relationships that are broken, and He prompts us to make them right. Here's the principle. Don't seek God unless you want to make things right with others. Number two. Reconciliation with others comes before reconciliation with God. Those angels showed up for a reason. And that reason was, was to inform Jacob, I believe, that before things could be right with God, they had to be right with his brother Esau. If you want reconciliation with God, you have to be reconciled with each other. Here's that principle. You can't live in harmony with your heavenly father until you're living in harmony with your human brothers and sisters. Young people, listen to me, young people. If you don't obey your parents, how in the world do you think you can obey God? <coughs> when you get teen, when you get teen ager after your age, when you go from there's something something weird happens from twelve, because you don't have teen ager. It's twelve to thirteen ager. Something in that year. Your mind just goes, it blows up. Because you, you become these creatures that are, you're ugly and you're nasty and you're, 
talk back. And you, your parents say, I mean, your parents are almost begging you, well, if you, if you don't mind. I mean, they're cowered down like, if you don't mind, young people, if you don't mind. And you're like this ogre. No, I won't do it. <laughs> All they're asking you to do is clean up your room. And, no, I won't. <laughs> and, then, and then they have the audacity to say, I'm taking your cell phone away. Oh, oh. I mean, this, this whole new creature comes out. <laughs> yeah, I'm hitting too close to home now here. You got it. But if you can't be obedient to your parents, young people, you sure can't be obedient to the cross. Because he demands total allegiance. Your mom and dad cave in too fast. Oh, yeah, listen to the proud parents. That's right, boy. Yeah. I'll stand with you, preacher, until we get out of church. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, here's the principle. Don't seek God unless you want to make things right with others. Number, th- number two, that reconciliation comes before uh, reconciliation with God. Matthew 5 says it this way. So if you're offering your gift on the altar and there, are, there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So when you come to bring gifts to the Lord, you've got to make sure that you've got your brother and sister relationship worked out. Well, by golly, I'm never going to forgive so-and-so. Nope. Nope, they hurt me so bad. Nope, can't do it. (laughs) Church boards, elders and deacons in a church setting, around a table, discussing the things of the church, moving the church forward for God. One of them makes a comment. The other one across the table says, by golly, that's all I'm taking from you, and gets up out of the chair, rushes that person, takes a swing at him right there in the board meeting. And you're going, ah, doesn't happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Why is that? And then, and then, they stay at church together. One sits on this side, one sits on this side. Davis, Oklahoma, 1977 in the fall. I'm preaching through James about reconciliation and healing and how the tongue is full of evil and says things that shouldn't, you shouldn't say. This guy over here, Starts pointing to that guy on the other side. The guy on the other side is doing this. Right in the middle of church. And everybody in between them just. <laughs> of course, I was 22. Had no sense at all. I had probably more sense than I do now. Because now I would call them out, Brother. I'd say in the love of Jesus, meet in the center aisle and let's get this over with. And what would happen? Oh, they'd get up and walk out before they'd reconcile with each other. Are you with me me yet? Oh, glory to God. I'm running out of time. But here's the good question for number two. Can it be that the reason our worship is meaningless, ineffective, Prayers being unanswered is that we've not reconciled with that brother or sister. Number three, reconciliation must be intentional. Look in chapter 32, verses 3 through 5. Because Jacob knew that he had done wrong. He knew that he had to make it right. And here's the principle that you need to apply. Taking the initiative is imperative to reconciliation. It's imperative. The relationship is easier to mend when the offender apologizes to the offended. Now, don't you got to hear this. 
It's easier when that happens. If I have offended Russell, it's easier to reconcile if I go to Russell and say, I'm sorry. But it works equally as powerful as if Russell comes to me and says, Brother, we got a problem. Because I'm stupid enough not to even believe I had a problem. But Brother Russell comes and says, Man, you said something. Now, I didn't intend to hurt him. But it sure came out that way, didn't it? How many times has that happened to you? But you see, you just cruise along like, boy, I'm the greatest thing in the world. And everybody that you used to have friends with, all of a sudden they're not friends with you anymore. Why? Because your old mouth got to bleeding over. Mm-hmm. We've got to work with each other. And there's a principle in Matthew 18, 15 that says, If your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. Too many of us are Bible-believing, but we're not Bible-practicing. Bible-believing, but I don't want to practice that. <laughs> no, we, we want to resort to the junior high method of reconciliation. I've been hurt. I don't go to the person that hurt me. I go to 18 other people to get them on my side before I ever go to the brother. And I never get to the brother. I don't because my 18 friends are nailing my brother before I ever get there. Brother walks into the room and my 18 friends who are on my side go, Hey, what you doing? Right? Like a bunch of roosters. They walk into the room and they go slap somebody silly. Because you done hurt my friend. Mm-mm-mm, girlfriend. Mm-mm. Whatever that nonsense is they do. Right? Are you with me? I'm telling you. I used to love to watch guys in school. They'd undo their shirt like they're going to fight. And they'd stand there and they'd do this for 20 minutes. Boy, somebody knock somebody out. Because they just stand there looking at each other. They're going to pass out from the blood flow to the head. Because they're so angry. Don't play the junior high game of getting everybody, oh, I'm so hurt now. I'm offended. Don't, don't you think I'm a great person? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, they're terrible. Oh, they're sorry, people. Oh, oh, thank you. And pretty soon you got Facebook things, you got emails, you got, oh, man, it's text messages. You're dying tonight, you know. <laughs> you got me. You with me, aren't you? Am I hitting home yet? Yeah, well, you kind of carried away there today, preacher. Well, good. Maybe you'll remember this. Three words. Clarify. Don't confront. Clarify the problem, then confront. You got it? Clarify. Go to the person. Work with them. Here's a good question for that point. Could it be that some of our relationships are lived grinding to a gr- lived in grinding silence because we are unwilling to take the initiative in beginning that heal- reconciliation process? See, I don't want to be reconciled. My brother, some of you met my brother John, preacher. He's my sandpaper person in my life. He will call my children and my children will not answer their phone because they don't want to talk to Uncle Johnny. Because when they get on the phone, Uncle Johnny grates on them like he grates on me. Well, what you doing? And I don't hear the words. I just hear... He tells me how, you know, I mean, he doesn't come out this way, but when I interpret what he says, it's like you're worthless. You don't know what you're doing. What are you, what are you even living for? You hang up the phone and go, man, I'm encouraged by that call. You got anybody like that in your life? Oh, if you don't, I'm grateful you don't. But you see, the problem is 
It's not my brother's problem. Whose problem is it? So several years ago, I worked through that. Several years ago, God laid on my heart. He said, why do you let him have that much power in your life? I thought, man, that's kind of an odd way to put that. But is that not true? See, if you've got somebody that seems to have control over you, who decides that? You do. The only person that ought to have complete control over you is this guy. Right here. Right here. I tell young people when they're having, girls especially, if they're out on a date and old boy's getting a little <clears throat> carried away, put your Bible between them. It's harder to climb over your four brothers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> and if that don't work, open the Revelation and read about damnation. And boy, that'll get him right there. <laughs> He'll put you out of the car. Fine, call dad. Come get me. I'm serious. Get into that chapter 19, 18, where, you know. <laughs> listen, boy. If that old boy still wants to mess around, you get out of the car, praise God. Oh, mercy. Here I get carried away. Number four, reconciliation must be bathed in prayer. In chapter 32, verse 9, it says, Then Jacob prayed. So see, Jacob understood the, the connection between prayer and reconciliation with God moving. And you've got to pray. Here's the principle. Prayer is the salve for wounded parties. It is the lubricant, the oil for friction in relationships. If I'm praying heavy, if I'm praying strong, if I'm praying persistently and thoroughly, then God's going to be before me before we talk. And good things can happen. Good things can happen. Oh, thank you, brother. He's a, he's a good man. He's watched his dad get lathered up like this too many years. <laughs> And his dad was saying, somebody bring me a glass of water. <laughs> All right. So here's the question. How does your heart need to be softened so that healing of your broken relationships can occur? Number five, reconciliation demands humility. Look at chapter 33 and verse 3. On that morning after all this, Jacob and Esau met, Jacob found in the scriptures, he went on ahead and he bowed to the ground seven times before he approached his brother. He went and he bowed seven times. So he went to the cross and bowed before God. Not once, not twice, seven times before he ever talked to his brother. Because see, if you don't get God involved, folks, you're not going to get much done. If you're going with your own agenda because you were right and they were wrong, he looked down from the cross and he said, Father, do what? Forgive them because what? They don't know what they're doing. They just nailed him there. They've just spit on him. They've just beat him. They put a crown of thorns on him. They got a robe that they've torn off. And now they're, they're sticking spears in his side. And, he has, and they've nailed him up there. Not tied him. They nailed him up there. And he goes, forgive them. Oh. Man, if you were dependent on me to save you and be hung up, I'd never get to the cross. If I had command of 10,000 angels, <laughs> ain't nobody going to slap me. When that guy spit on me, it would turn right back, right on him. Boy, I'll guarantee if I had 10,000 angels, it ain't happening. When that guy raised that hammer to hit that nail, that hammer, he beat himself to death. You see. But aren't you glad that I didn't go, but that Jesus did? I am. I am. Number five, reconciliation demands humility. Look in verse 3 of 33, because he went on ahead and he bowed down seven times. Here's the principle. Humility puts us in the position of reconciliation to occur. The question is, what steps do we need to take that would communicate humility to the person that we're estranged from? 
James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself before God to see what great things can happen. Number six, reconciliation requires vulnerability. Look in chapter 33 and verse 4. It says, Esau ran to meet him, hugged him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him, and they wept. They wept. He was vulnerable. Not only did he have 450 soldiers behind him, but he was still vulnerable. And the reason he brought the 450 soldiers was to protect him for the trip up there and back. But Jacob didn't know that. God does incredible things. Here's the principle of that passage and of that, of, that, of that point is reconciliation will never happen until our heart is exposed. Expose your heart. Let that person see that you're really sincere. And you do that by humility. Tears, those are real. Well, I've, watched, I, I've watched with great humility and humbleness couples reconcile. I mean, they're like this, boy. They've got 450 troops on each side. <laughs> I mean, but I've watched them, and they do it by humility, and they do it by surrender to the cross. And both of them are Christians, and so when the cross gets involved, what happens? Their relationship gets better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So do you want to go through life living in the cocoon, safe from the hurtful arrows of others, cut off from relationships, that can give you love and joy. Number seven, reconciliation nears its finished work when forgiveness has been extended. Again, verse, verse 4 of chapter 33. Jacob finds favor in the eyes of Esau. He sought peace. He desired to, be, to have the past put behind him. He humbled himself before Esau, opens up his heart, wants to be forgiven. Esau embraces him. And as they held each other, I'm sure that Jacob said, please forgive me, brother. And I'm sure that Esau said, I forgive you. No more powerful words in the world, is there? And I forgive you. Forgiveness is not optional in reconciling broken relationships. The principle I want you to take away and imply is forgiveness involves letting go so you can get on with the rest of your life. I could let my brother be a sandpaper person in my life, or I could embrace him and learn from what he's trying to teach me and tell me. In the fall of 05 going into 06, it was a very dark time in your preacher's life. I'm not going to go into gory detail because then you would go, oh, whoa. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it was a dark time. And so I called the one person who I thought would understand. That was my brother, fellow pastor, been through some rough times in his life. And so rather than get on the end of the phone, man, God, hey, I'm praying with you. Let's pray about this. I got this. Man, I'm so glad you called. I've been, I've been praying for two years about how to talk to you, and so here we go. And so for the next two hours, thank God we both have Sprint mobile to mobile. <laughs> but for the next two hours, he let me have it. And you know what? Every step of that way, Every step of that way, I didn't grind. I just said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And this cross was in the front of the church, and the next day, I was up here. And I never left here. Because what my brother said, in large part, was true. And the good news is, 
one moment, Jesus lifted me up, put his arm around me and said, and my son Jeff was the one that really, really got me up off the ground in a statement that he made to me. There you go, folks. Now that's exposing my heart to you. How willing are you to expose your heart to even God? Genesis 33, look at verse 10. If you have found favor, if I have found favor with you, take this gift from my hand, for indeed I have seen your face, and it's like seeing God's face since you've accepted me. You see, when we begin to look at each other with the eyes of God, we look altogether different, don't we? Altogether different. Altogether different. Altogether different. And, and I'm telling you that God is the God who He is because He loves us that way. And restitution, number eight, restitution has been accomplished when restitution has been made. Look at verse 8. Esau said, what do, you do, what do you mean by this whole procession I met to find favor with you, my Lord? He answers. That's Esau saying to Jacob. Because Jacob had his group with him. And you see the, the procession with the herds and the flocks, Jacob was coming to reconcile. He was coming to wrong a right that had been suffered. Restitution is the principle here. Restitution is attempting to restore that which has been damaged or destroyed and seeking justice whenever we have the power to act or to influence those in authority to act. Wow. Wow. As believers in Christ, as believers in Christ, we must be quick, quick to do what Jesus did and that is to seek reconciliation. To love the unlovely. To forgive in the midst of hurt and pain. Uh, I'm going to get Taylor, if you and Patrick would help me. Make sure everybody gets one of those. If you don't have a pen or something, raise your hand. He's going to make sure that you get a pen. Worship team's going to come help me close. We have a new song for our invitation song. And yesterday, during our practice session, I was uh, I was touched beyond measure by this song because this song, the words of this song are incredible. I want to make sure everybody gets a piece of paper. On the paper it says take it to God. If you don't have a pen, a, you need something to write with, hold up your hand and we'll get a pen to you. <coughs> I'm going to have the worship team sing this song. Normally I ask you to stand and sing, but today I don't want you to do that. I want you to listen to the words of this song. What I've been saying today, there may be somebody that God has brought to your heart. There may be a situation that God has brought to your heart. There may be a sin that God has brought to your heart. And while they sing this song, if 
you are so inclined and you want to leave that with God today. And what I'd like for you to do is just write that down. Don't put your name on it. Just write that down. I've had you do this before. This is a good time to do it again. Based on the message we shared today. While they're singing and you're praying and listening to the words, if there's one of those sins or there's a, a situation that you need God to help you reconcile, write it down, fold it, and just bring it up and lay it at the foot of the cross. If you want to pause a minute while you're there and pray, feel free to do that as well. If you're here and you need to make a, a different type of decision, maybe you're ready to make this church your home, maybe you never been baptized and you want to know what that means, man, I'd like to sit down and study with you about that. It's not a decision you need to make quickly. It's a decision you need to make with total understanding. So if you're in whatever position you might find yourself, as they sing this song through the first time, let's just use that time to bring those prayers right here and lay them at the foot of the cross. And then they'll sing it through a second time. And at that time, if there's another decision to be made, I'll be right here
feel the spirit move today? I hope so. Brother Red comes this morning, and uh, he said, came by this week, he said, Preacher, I uh, need to join the church. I said, okay, Red. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So he comes this morning as a immersed believer in Christ who loves God uh, intensely with his heart. And uh, I'll tell you, there's no greater grandpa in this church that loves these kids more than Brother Red does. And I just love it. I love it that he loves them. And I invited uh, one of the players I met the other night. I saw him. I said, hey, come to church. Red's with us. And he goes, he is? I said, yeah, he brings his cane. And if you get out of line, he whacks you. No. If, if, you, if you ever watched any of the games on Friday night, Red had a cane there for a while. And so he just kept it to kind of hook a few of them. I noticed he's getting the same one all the time. But we're, just, <laughs> we're just so glad that Red's here. He's already volunteering his time uh, here at the church. And we're grateful for that. Red, I just want to welcome you on behalf of the church. And, and uh, ask you that uh, great question. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And would you repeat that great confession of Peter? I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. We're so glad to have Red with us. And, uh, amen. Red, if you'll go back there by Russell, we want people to greet you and, and welcome you here to the church. It's been a great day to be in the Lord. Uh, as you leave, if you feel led, come and drop it right here, and uh, these will be taken care of, and uh, they're, they're for nobody's consumption except God's, okay? I'm going to read through them because I'm going to pray over each and every one of them, so I want you to know what God's uh, going to do in your life, and uh, you've, dumped, you've dumped some things right here, I hope, and if you haven't physically come up here, hopefully you've, d- you've written something on that piece of paper, put it in your pocket, and remind yourself every day time to get rid of it. Amen? And let that burden be lifted. Let's stand. We're going to have a prayer. Yes. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> well, that's what I get for preaching so long. Okay, praise God. All right, Brother Russell. <coughs> for outside, right. Bring, bring your jackets. Okay. Are you going to feed them up here, Brother? I'm- well, preacher needs to be here, though.